Hey, hello, hey Doklings. Uh, my name's Alan Lear and I'm, uh, well, I'm sort of an improv comedian and uh, generally just a friend of Toby's. And he's asked me to come along and have a word with you about one of my favourite episodes of Doctor Who for this new podcast that he's doing. Well, I didn't have to think twice about my choice. One of my absolute favourites is The Curse of Fenric. Well, it's raining outside. I mean, it really is. It's pounding it. It's been a lot of rain in Manchester this, as I record, this this July 2023. Uh, and I know it is raining in the land of Doctor Who in 1989, uh, which I remember when 1989 was new. And uh, hello to all those listeners who weren't even born when this was on. Uh, it's lovely that you're listening and also terrifying that you're able to. Uh, I had met Sylvester McCoy not long before this and uh, uh, I remember asking him, is Dinsdale Landon the main guest star? Because Dinsdale Landon seemed like a very important actor and it was important to me that important actors, because sometimes important actors, you know, with Remembrance of the Daleks, um, you know, Peter Halliday, Michael Sheard, they weren't playing massive parts. And so it was just suddenly became very important to me that, you know, illustrious actors were, were, were being at least accorded with main guest star status. And, you know, of course, Sylvester was like, well, yeah, I, I, I suppose so, you know, but it didn't enter his head that, you know, I haven't really thought of, you know, who's, who's top guest billing or whatever, because not everybody thinks of those things. But I do. Um, and, and that was there even then, all those years ago. Uh, 89. I, I, I mean, it's extraordinary to think that this is 34 years old so this is this is now older quite by quite some margin than an unearthly child was when this was on and I find that a terrifying thing to contemplate because I was quite compassmentous when this was on you know I was uh, I was capable of doing things and uh, you know I'm, I'm taking my first steps into adulthood well how how old was i i was born in 74 so i was oh actually i was only 15 i felt i felt terribly grown up um and you know certainly i have very vivid memories of this period and of course most of my vivid memories and in fact i found an old diary not long ago and quite a few of my diary entries are what i thought of doctor who at this time ha <laughs> ha um never mind world events i've put a few world events in there as well anyway look i've got to fit in an interview with Andrew Cartmel tomorrow so that the end of this podcast is has has some added interest so not too much preamble i'm sure you're absolutely fine with that let us crack on by pressing play on episode 3 of the curse of fenric in 3 2 1 and listen to that rain my goodness and here it pops in right now. Oh, it's being slow. Of course, because it's the 21st century and we have uh, an internet superhighway, uh, a, a, a repository of all the worldwide information that zooms along at record-breaking speed without the need for wires that it's really slow and glitchy if it bloody rains. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, you see, uh, it, it's not, you know, my my... My internet hub is not is not the ultimate machine, um, so I don't know what's happening here. Uh, I might have to pause and do this again, but I might I might I might keep all those words in. 
because um do I, do we like that though is now feedback because i actually get annoyed when i listen to podcasts when they'll sort of say uh, who's that actor from that oh i don't know and then they go let's look it up on imdb and you hear them looking it up on imdb or going out of the room to consult a thing and then coming back in i'm thinking come on guys edit that out i don't i don't need to i don't need to listen to you finding out that thing that you're going to come and tell me now if i mean you should know it anyway if i'm listening to you because why else are I don't need to listen to you having a lovely conversation. Um, but then I, but then when I make sort of errors or something goes wrong, I think, oh, well, they might quite like to listen to, you know, the mistakes because that makes it seem more real and it's not. And then you go, yeah, and that means it's not polished and focused and professional. And I think one should be all of those things. Uh, so I I don't know the answer to that, but, but I will keep that in as a talking point, not that we will discuss it i'm sure but i'm now going to press pause uh, and see if i can kick my internet into some sort of action ah we're sorted now so let's press play on episode very exciting episode i seem to recall from my youth episode three of the curse of fenric um Yes, it's odd because I sort of think of my enjoyment of Doctor Who as a teenager going, oh, you know, I wasn't very happy with it. I got cross with it all the time because I was a cross teenager. But actually, actually, I was still really excited whenever Doctor Who came on and I was videoing it. And I used to video the trailers. Um, uh, So I'd video the, yeah, I'd, I'd, so, so the seven episodes I filled with the first two stories, I put the trailers for the second two stories at the end of that. And at the beginning of the tape, I had the second two stories of the season, I'd have the trailers from the first. And, I, and I'd worked out this system of where I could sort of roll forward and roll back by pressing pause first and then record so that I wouldn't lose, you know, that I wouldn't have any unnecessary uh, footage uh, from from you know the other programs that were being trailed or whatever, but actually a couple of times I got too clever with that and and actually recorded over the end of the previous week's trailer, so um, I fiddled a little. Anyway, the, but that was all you know that was all part of it. it. wasn't just watching the show; it was work. I was quite proud of myself because I worked out when trailers would be on and I would record them and that sort of thing. Um, and as I say, you know we would have alcohol fueled parties which we, I did as a, when I was this age, and I'd bring my Doctor Who videos with me. Um, but that was partially because um, uh, we had a slight problem with the video. Uh, I always think this is quite fun as well. He's like, right, has he disabled the radio equipment? He's just twatted them with an axe. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because Perkins, you kind, I kind of expected Perkins would be the sort of character who when all hell breaks loose at the beginning of episode four, you know, is is on sentry duty and gets sort of killed or whatever. But actually, he just completely disappears. Perkins is also an excellent name for a soldier. Uh, there's a private Perkins, isn't there, in uh, uh, in The Invasion. But Perkins is it's one of those names that, that, that seem to be a lot for, for sort of slightly scrawny juniors. So I'm not, not suggesting that Christian Anholt is slightly scrawny. He's a beautiful boy. Um, and now he's rather muscly because I think he's been acting in that America, and you have to be quite muscly there. Um, uh, and the rain is falling. The rain is falling outside in real life, and the rain is falling on uh, on the cast here. 
Oh, I can see a lovely Robin playing outside in the rain. He's having a bath. Uh, this rain, of course, gives for a really oppressive atmosphere. And it's obviously really <laughs> muddy underfoot. And this is great. A nice, I always, Shez and I always do this thing. If somebody's dead in something, we, we go, Epfi, because you, st you still get paid for being in it. Uh, and uh, I'm pleased he's credited as well, Peter Shikovsky, because he's there. Um, people go, oh, yeah, but if he hasn't got any lines, he's an extra. No, you're not hired as an extra. You're hired as an actor. Um, so even if, if your character doesn't have any lines, you're not, you should still be credited. You're a, a, you're an act, it's an acting performance. Um, I like this. Uh, don't turn it back away from him or you're dead. I like all, I mean, look at that. That's just a gorgeous Doctor Who image of monsters through the smoke. And I love, I love the fact that Sorin knows what they are. And I like the fact that he basically spends the episode going, you know, these are vampires. This is all, you know, and it, and, and it really adds to the, you know, because any, danger from the past brings with it you know a sense of our own mortality because if something has come from the olden days well everyone in the olden days is dead and or and every object is you know worn away a parody of its former self uh, it's broken it's old it's knackered it's cobwebby um so uh, you know there's something of there's something more scary uh in this kind of adventure of of monsters from the past uh, so even though they're alien hemovores and they're blue, you know, we've got all the advantages of them being vampires. Um, and, and I like the hints that these guys, um, have a past and I, and it's sort of, it's elaborated upon in the book, but, but I actually think it's quite nice that, you know that we don't have a scene saying and when we were playing rugby and you did that you know i th i think there's an i think there's enough there to to hint at a past between these two without us needing to get sort of bogged down in it i love this bit uh, i used to i mean i used to practice i i used to do this speech when i was you know in my own world wondering about i'm very dramatic i'm you know <laughs> i was a <laughs> well i've always been a frustrated i'm an actor and but often a frustrated one uh, and it's that that sort of uh, that that sort of I love that whole speech about um, the you know sabotage team sent into German occupied Romania. It's all the phrasing of it and everything gives it real sort of clout and atmosphere. And I I loved Captain Soren and Tomek Bork. I thought they were great. Uh, and he he was quite, he did a few things at around this time. I have actually uh, emailed him back and forth, but we never actually sorted out an interview. Um, it's odd, a bit like this, and with Fury from the Deep. I've, I've, I mean, some stories, you know, I've, I've collected the entire cast, but I've, uh, but like with Fury, I, I've, I've, yeah, I've, I, 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 I don't know why I've, um, you know, not, not been as fastidious as following up the actors that I might have got an interview with or, 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 or exchanged letters with. I, I wonder if it's that I actually quite like these stories which I mean because I was pretty as, as obsessed with this as I was with Fury really as a kid I mean I knew every line I knew the, every order of every cast list of bloody blah blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, and I used to think about the characters and what the character what extra scenes the characters could have and blah, blah, blah. And, I, and I wonder if I you know I like to just sort of leave it as it is without going behind the scenes on it too much because uh, I'm I'm sort of consumed by the by the adventure I don't need to be you know break the fourth wall and find out all the facts look at that this is brilliant and then the shot over there excellent uh beautiful 
beautiful, but wonderfully directed. This is this is the sort of stuff I, I I I thought Doctor Who was crying out for. It was such a thrill to me that it was doing this kind of you know spooky action adventure. Uh, and again, credit to Nicholas Mallet. No, I had a problem with I th- I'd I'd hired a video from Granada Video, and it had had sort of little flicks on the screen, and it was about to run out of its. Oh no, we'd bought it. That's it. We'd bought a video machine at this point and it had little flicks on the screen so just before it ran out of its um guarantee i got the engineer out and he put a little uh you know thing in it and fiddled with it so that it no longer had flicks on the screen when it was playing playing my videos and in fact i said look here's one where it does and and here's one where it doesn't he said i don't need to see the ones where it doesn't but it was a chance for me to show him a number of doctor who's and so then he might go oh it's this doctor who i love doctor who is these old doctor who oh yes doctor who is marvelous and i shall start watching it again and buy all the videos you know i was on a constant <laughs> uh, mission to convert everybody even a passing granada video repairman but in his repairing what i hadn't noticed what he'd done is that some of the stuff that had been recorded on the video machine already now didn't play properly it had a weird sort of tracking situation going on so all my new doctor who first generation beautiful off-air recordings actually did a weird tracking thing uh, every five seconds and also some of uh, some of the older videos if i started playing them and if i fast forwarded through the first sort of 10 seconds um they then didn't play with any sound but only on that machine it was really weird <coughs> such were the vagaries of technology in those days so i'd got to the point where i'd got my own video and i'd got my own set of all of the doctor episodes on video but loads of them didn't play properly for various different reasons uh no, no, i've i've always been in a house where nothing's quite worked properly and if we get something brand new uh uh somebody will run it over or crack it or stain it within i mean minutes uh i think i was destined never to live somewhere or have a life that wasn't a bit ramshackle and broken and that you i mean i have to say there's uh, it, it, it was touch and go as to whether you saw um sophie aldridge's skirt rode up in that bit and i was always slightly surprised that they didn't do a retake but i think a a, a dignity is, is is just about kept intact uh and this is this is because it, it is a sort of protracted you know monster takes a while to kill the person but the the actor playing the hemovore does at least do a little i'm enjoying this with my fingers acting uh and I, and I love this that they go to the effort of uh, blowing a couple of holes in the you know they can't they can't uh, uh, and what they do is they do it on the one first and then on the other one second so because they've only got a certain amount of charges and they know they're going to have two shots so the first time they shoot it only happens to the first one and the second time it happens to the second one and that's a that's a useful and sensible use of uh, resources that you know that's you know you, it's a sort of television tra- it's a translation convention in a way you go you know that you know they fired more bullets than they've actually got squibs there but that's okay where at least we're going to the effort of doing the squibs which normally you don't don't see in a doctor that's a wonderful shot and uh, he's saying the names of the companions isn't he which is rather sweet sylvester mccoy is very good at all of that kind of intense brooding you know channeling faith energy stuff and then you know ah i'm suddenly scatty doctor who again uh, that's that's lovely oh and yeah um word of support for the darker brown jacket which i think is much better than the than the beigey one i think he he suits the darker colors more uh and this is yeah this is all lovely doctor who stuff um it's a great story for ace as well isn't it and i like uh i like that uh, ace and captain sorin have their 
have their lovely little uh, sort of moments. Um, yes, and and I I remember ah now that was the other thing. I it was a parents' evening when this was on, so I made a friend of mine. We had a friend called Derek, who was an older older chap who's a who's a he's a sort of handyman and stuff. But he he had to come round to my house, and I had to instruct him how to press pause record. And then press pause again on the BBC logo so that, you know, you got the whole of the title sequence. And reader, he got it wrong. So I, and I couldn't be cross with him. Uh, but because I was grateful to him for coming over. But he did actually miss the opening uh, of the title sequence. And a little part of me was broken for that because it was very important to have the whole of an episode even if it was the title sequence which i'd already got i used to hate it when uh, i got videos um done by other people where they'd where they'd edited off the opening and closing credits which people had done with e180s in order to fit ep eight episodes on instead of seven but to me i would rather have the the whole thing um uh, I, quite, I, quite, I quite like the fact that Ace is... Uh, I mean, it's, would you be allowed to do this where the Doctor Who's companion is an arsonist? Uh, and, uh, you know, the Nitro... It's, you know, as Russell says about the psychic paper, you know, who wants to be stopped, you know, got in the, stopped by a door? Well, you know, if there's a wall in the way, it makes your companion quite funky if she blows stuff up. I'm, I'm never wild about her sort of wickedy sort of slang dialogue, but um, I, I do think it's an attempt to make a companion you know away from the cliche she is really i mean and uh, uh, you know in my less generous moments she sort of go well you've kind of retconned this but she she actually is really a, 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 a conduit between old who classic who and and new who in that she is this sort of funky you know working class you know yes sort of urban urban companion with attitude um <laughs> i yeah and i'm not quite sure i buy oh she's she's picked up this vase in order that she thinks oh that'll be handy to m make some bombs with later and oh it happens to be the vase that they've been looking for but it is a nice joke uh and they needed to get it, and it's quite it's quite funny. So I forgive it. This is this is very good. Um, oh, and he's given her the scarf, hasn't he? I liked his scarf. Um, uh, and I do. I really like this character, and it's nice to see. You know, it's nice to see that the Russian soldier is actually an heroic character, uh, and that they haven't. You know, even even though they're working contrary to, uh, to to you know to what the British camp and the British cape base are doing um and even you know this they were our allies in the war but uh at at at, at this time you know um you know the, the 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 cold war was very much you know in in our minds and i always feared nuclear armageddon so it just seemed cool and interesting uh and yeah not yeah and it, it gave it a lovely vibe but it was why i chose it for my thing in the first episode that the, that the russians were all sort of heroic you know brave guys um oh and i love that bit i've i've missed it haven't i where where um the you know they go oh we haven't got time and the soldiers click their weapons and they're only extras as if to go we're gonna stay and hold them off um and i love that i love i love anything that's a moment of sort of self-sacrificial bravery 
there's gazillions of them in Doctor Who and in television and film drama, and it never fails to make me go, whoa, I, I love that. I love being... I, I mean, I think in my ideal death will be if I've been mortally wounded and I'm on a spaceship. I've thought about this a lot. Uh, this That's brilliant. I love the way... That's I, I love that. That scene is really well acted. Um, uh, uh, from from Parsons going, you know, there are allies and and Millington sort of, you know, madly sort of talk, talking about a terrible event that had happened to him many, many years ago that he uses to justify, uh, you know, a terrible act that he's just done. And I love Sorin getting to be cool. And, I, you know, that's that's actually very good. You know, that's you know a, 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 a more budget conscious or strapped or lazier show wouldn't have had that barbed wire going back we'd have just had it going off to the side because then you have to have uh, you know fewer poles and less barbed wire I, I should, uh, uh, but actually to have it there you know the money's on show I, I mean I guess they were already there but it, it would have been a lot to build but it just it's just a, a it's just a little bit of camera positioning and 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 set because they do actually cut the barbed wire as well um so that's all pretty cool, you know. You it makes you go, oh well, I'm I'm there because if they've cut the barbed wire, that they must have erected that for the show. It's just a little touch that I think makes it good, and I and I love the fact that he comes and uh, that he comes and uh, uh, confronts Millington, and then does this uh, little code that makes him go, quick, get out of here. I love all of that. This is really exciting. Uh, he's being brave, he's confronting Commander Mennington, oh, I love that, and then, yeah, get out of here, I love all of this, this is really, uh, this is my stuff, it's terribly exciting, uh, and yeah, as I say, my, my uh, ideal death is I'm, 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 you know, I've been, uh, I've been wounded on, on a spaceship, and you're all making your escape, and I say, no, leave me, I'll hold them off, and I'll crash the spaceship into the, you know, the mothership or something like that that's uh that's i mean you know if it's not if it, if it can't be on stage playing king lear at the royal shakespeare company i'll go for brave self-sacrifice um in order to save you lot but there have to be witnesses you know it has to be no go save yourself i'm not doing it anonymously <laughs> um i always wondered because uh, her her husband is called is he called frank william dudman and the film cameraman is called uh, William Dudman, Bill Dudman, um, uh, on 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 yeah Frank William Dudman on uh, season twenty four, um, and I asked Bill about this, and he said no, he didn't think so because he didn't really work when he did the film camera work on on uh, uh, on season twenty four. It was like it was largely model shots and stuff, uh, but he's a nice guy, Bill, still in touch. Um, but uh, that I think is just a coincidence. Um, now Corey Pullman is related to somebody. Um, I'll get back to you on that because I was I was looking her up the other day and she hasn't done she hasn't done much recently. It's a shame because she's got an excellent voice, uh, a Yorkshire accent spot on. Uh, she's got a lovely sort of dusky voice and she looks like somebody who you think has done a lot. Um, this is this is nice stuff for the. This reminds me a bit of the bit with Jamie and the Second Doctor in uh, Evil of the Daleks when they get cross with each. Well, when Jamie gets cross with the Doctor and says we're finished, but that's been manipulated by by the second doctor uh the post has just come so i'm going to have to pause um that uh, wasn't the wolves of winter nor was it the chains of fenric shattering it was the dog of chalton and it was the jiffy bag coming through the letterbox so apologies for that but 
Um, this is great. I, I, as I say, I, I'm, I'm never wildly convinced by Sylvester when he is doing drama. He sometimes looks as if he's in pain when I think he's trying to be serious. That sort of downturn of the mouth and that snarl is... Uh, is an attempt to, I think, convey emotion that doesn't always quite pay off. Um, but he gives it a lot of attack here, and it's a wonderful speech. Credit to Ian Briggs; he writes it very well. Uh, and I and I like the attempt. You know that this adventure stakes are so high. The stakes, ha are so high that it's sort of driven a wedge. Oh, I'm continuing a metaphor without meaning to. Um, between the Doctor and companion, and look how wretched poor old uh, Nicholas Parsons looks here, and. Just sort of waiting for the inevitable. This this bit, I'm afraid, I do for having had that, that lovely um, speech from the Doctor and the you know the confrontation between the Doctor and Ace. You now have Ace trying to be sexy as as sexy as you can only be allowed to be in Doctor Who, and um, he's a good actor, Marcus Sutton. He's done loads of stuff, but he's saddled with some right guff here. <laughs> and uh, what does he say? Faster than the second hand on a watch, and you go, it's. Is, are you trying to chatter up here, or are you go, or or is he going? I'm being all sexy, and you go, yes. Can I just, can I just nail you down on the uh, time scale uh, and the measurements that you're using here in your attempted seduction of me, before I continue with uh, my uh, attempted seduction of you? Uh, it's, I mean. There's, uh, Sophie Aldred, I think, is working very hard, and she's sort of going, uh, you know, the, the you know the wind is whipping up, but it's not it's not a sort of warm Mediterranean wind. So essentially, she's going, oh, it's a bit gusty around me, chuff. Um, it's uh, it's, um, but she is doing it very well. She is uh, giving it her all. She is never not committed, Sophie Aldred. But I I I think, and I think the ambition that they have here to try and you know sort of suggest some sort of you know sexual awakening frisson within the companion especially in uh contrast to you know the uh what happened with Jean and phyllis and and and, and what miss hardacre felt about her something about you know undercurrents and bubbling to use a metaphor for you know the the, the maturing the sexual awakening of uh, uh, you know femaleness and a companion and all of that sort of thing is is you know, I I I applaud the attempts. I think it's I think it's, it's not really my kind of thing for Doctor. I was I was desperate for it to be back to the Russians being all cool and heroic, but that's because you know I'm a boring old bloke. But uh, I think it's I think it's it's worthwhile doing. I, I unfortunately it gets the impression that it's been written by somebody who's never met a woman. <laughs> um, and they look great here. What was my problem with the vampires? I think Joanne Bell is giving a really mean smile, and Joanne Kenny looks looks great. Um, you know, her colouring is right for the sort of vampiric. Uh, 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 and and so yeah, I, I'm I'm really over my dislike of the vampires. I I I still I'm still not sure about the the fingernails. I think they need to be. I think they need to be a different kind of fingernail. They look like they, you know, they're supposed to give the impression that they tear your neck open, and actually they look like they'll snap. Um, but this, I remember being so shocked at this because one, it's Nicholas Parsons; two, it's only episode three, and three, he's really nice, and four, he's not somebody expected to act. And I think he's absolutely terrified there, and he does that really well. But unfortunately, they still do that sort of stagey thing of going, instead of them grabbing him and tearing his throat out, do that thing where we loom over you and you sort of, you you cow down. Um, 
but again, it's a kind of translation convention because you know you can't show what they're really doing in Doctor Who. But then the re- that's a brilliant shot of uh, Rainwright dead on the floor. Judson's just been killed. It's only episode three. It started to rain. And you're going, uh, he's dead. And you're going, oh, what the heck? Um, and then, and and Millington's gone absolutely, <laughs> totally lost it. You know, he's he's always been slightly sort of not there, his eye on the on the on the prize and and of course this is a clever feint because you think well uh judson's dead so something you know millington's always been a bit strange is is he has he been taken over and then oh my gosh he's he stood up and what's going on here um friends of mine love this uh um cliffhanger um and and i remember I still, I look, I love this story, but I remember, I, 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 I love this story so much. I was like, oh, it's, it's an ancient villain from the past. Um, and I don't think I ever thought, oh, it's going to be the master or Omega or something like that. I, I think I'd, I think I'd got the story enough to know, okay, this Fenric is Fenric, but, but, but the idea that they might've met the doctor before is not an, you know, it's, we've, we've met loads of aliens who met the doctor before that we haven't met. So I, I don't think I was worried it was, it was falling down. A, a, you know a nostalgia rabbit hole but i think i think i think i was so happy in the story as it was that i'm i you know i wasn't that you know excited about hearing about you know old law especially as it's not really old law because they've only just you know that that it's it, it will only just have happened in the same way that you know i'm i'm, I'm yeah I'm, I'm not wild about sort of grafted on nostalgia if it's something that that invokes something from the past of the show that that gives something a level of excitement but if it's a if it's a new invented past i'm like yeah i mean okay but i don't get as carried away whereas i know some people absolutely you know see see fenric as a sort of a-list villain because it's uh it's a it's a it's somebody the doctor has been fighting all through time but well we've only been but we've only just been told that now so I, that's not to criticize it that's just to say why perhaps the, the, the cliffhanger in that part of the story that I know some people absolutely wild by. I see that cliffhanger sort of cited in loads of best ever cliffhangers. And I just sort of thought, um, oh, it's OK. I'm, you know, I'm not sure this is a development I'm, uh, you know, completely uh, uh, um, sort of uh, uplifted by because I'm actually, you know, the, I'm in the present of the story where everybody seems to be dying uh They've they've just done all sorts of things I didn't expect them to do, uh, and the you know the, the 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 muddy clay on the floor that's everybody's sliding in is about to <laughs> hit the fan and s- splatter those that are still alive, which aren't many. Um, so I, I you know it's good it's good and it's well done I'm, and I love the fact that it is something that uh, is a really special cliffhanger for a lot of people, but I think I prefer. I think I prefer the the second one, which is just a traditional "You're too late, Doctor," and, and of course, also because it's accompanying monsters rising from the sea, which I rather love. So I'm going to be much more in the next episode into the the resolution of you know the army story, the Russians, the vampires, and all of that than I think I am in the Doctor's ancient battle with Fenric. But I know other people, you know, really like that delving into the Doctor's past and, you know, invoking an enemy that uh, is, the Doctor's been fighting all through time. That That is of less interest to me because it's kind of, because it's new law. Do you know what I mean? That's that's why. <coughs> but I might change my mind because I've changed my mind on a few things as I've been watching this. 
especially the Cockney vampires, who I, I didn't like at all. I'm afraid I didn't change my mind on uh, um, um, uh, <coughs> Ace, Ace trying to be all sexy with a with a with a with a with a, with a, man, with a man made of mahogany. Yeah, he was he's 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 got the wood, but that's his performance. Um, and 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 as I say, he's a, he's a good actor, but I think it's such. It's, it's so restricted with what you can do at that time in that kind of program uh, and and you know it's a brave effort but i think it um, but i'm afraid it it makes me laugh <laughs> which is bad of me um but maybe it's because i'm not you know sexy stuff is never really my kind of thing and and quite often it just it just sort of bores me but there at least i get some entertainment going well bless them they had a bash um, my favourite thing, though, well, I love, I love, I've already chosen Russians, haven't I? Because I, lo- I love all the stuff with Captain Sorin. I do love Captain Sorin. He's such a good character. And I love his speech about the vampires. I love his bit where he says to his men, come in like the wolves of winter. And they go, oh, that's the code. We've got to get out of here. Uh, <coughs> I even like the way that when the doctor rescues him, he sort of rather gamely sort of goes, oh, and leaps off, leaps off where he's been sitting. Um. I think the confrontation between the Doctor and Ace is is very good. Although, as I say, I th- I do think there are there are you know restrictions there with with the performance, um, which 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 do do hamper. Um, you know, it doesn't play to to the strongest suit that Sylvester has, which I think is, you know, that sort of melancholy that he does so beautifully, and the sort of scatty natural eccentricity he has. <clears throat> I think when he's trying to be, you know, fierce and and dramatic, it's 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 not a comfortable voice slash face for him as 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 some of the other stuff that I think sits with him much more naturally as a performer. <coughs> um, Nick Mallet, I think, deserves credit for some of those beautiful shots. Uh, you know, the the monsters on the beast beach in the mist mist. Um, the, the the dead Wainwright. Oh, I love that scene where they lock the soldiers in who've been brave. I even love just the soldiers going click click. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna be brave. Um, but you know, Millington's speech about you know we had to seal it off to save the ship. You know, uh, um, and and in the way he just sort of just delivers it as if to say that's that's what we're doing, and then and then bug us off. Uh, uh, and and that's when it you know the episode really ramps up, and I think those final few minutes of the episode. You know, you're going. God, this is Doctor. This is Doctor. This was, you know, this this is this is a different league from uh, the, the Doctor Who that has 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 fallen short of this sort of drama, and that I imagined old Doctor Who was like all of the time. You know, which of course it wasn't. Um, but it, it's it was, yeah, it was so exciting being a Doctor, and I'd come back from a parents' evening. Uh, and uh, yes, my disappointment that I'd missed the that I'd and my recording forever. I would never have the opening of the title sequence, and it, it slightly sullied it for me. Uh, but I, I had had it in the past where friends of mine had taped the show for me instead, but their video had been a different video to mine, and then it gave it a different hue, and that jarred as well. I mean, I was so desperate for everything to be, you know, we had first generation, we had off-air. It was so important that you had those things because when we're so used to watching bad quality videos, you know, the the, the chance that you would get to record something off-air and that would be your co- quality copy of the episode was actually very, very important um, because, you know... Um, I think I think you know one enjoyed stories less if they were on really really grimy quality and you know I have to say now every time there's a remaster you know you watch an episode again and 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 you watch it fresh and and it, and it opens up all sorts of 
things about the episode. Um, I think the bit that sums up the episode most to me is Captain Soarin's speech about the vampires and all that stuff with the vampires on the beach walking through the mist, the mist, uh, and the, the you know coming over the the grave. So the sort of vampire hemavori misty vibe. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, which I'm going to also rather cheat and have Captain Soarin's speech that kind of sums all that stuff up as well. So so any of those things, I I get a point. Um, I mean, judging by last time, Alan, Alan, Alan's probably going to choose this, the sexy scene. <laughs> I love the bit where Ace uh, uh, leans on a hut and goes, ooh, to a man. Let's um, let's see what he says. Uh, for the third episode, it's got to be the way they use the Norse mythology and Ultimate together. So you've got the what was then cutting-edge science with an obvious reference to the breaking of the Enigma Code with Ultimate, and you've also got Yggdrasil, the world tree, and all that ancient Norse mythology, and they're all modelled together, a brilliant science fantasy concept. And, of course, the machine is called Ultima, which is a sly little reference, I think, to Ultima Thule, which uh, was, was what the Romans used to call the area beyond the end of the world. And, of course, it's the end of the world is Ragnarok. So um, I, 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 there's a little double play on, on meanings there, which I really rather like. Oh, now I didn't know that. Every day is a school day. Thanks, Alan. And also, you know, if if one was as bright as one thought one might have been when one was younger, you know, Enigma, Ultima. That's another reason it's the Ultima machine, not the ultimate machine. I'm so ashamed. Why am I telling you? That could, that could have died with my teenage self. Um, please, there'll be somebody out, else out there who thought it was called the ultimate machine. The ultimate machine. It's the ultimate machine. <laughs> that's, that's a wrestler's name, isn't it? And now the ultimate machine. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I like that about the um, uh, it also being a reference to something else. And, and, and that that's very I mean, I, I hadn't really thought of that or, or it occurred to me. But I, I definitely like what Alan says there about the the fact that the, the the Norse mythology and the technology in the brand new for the time technology in the story sort of combine to, you know, to, to, to resonate with the plot and to move it along and to be. So there's a bit of, you, you know, they're not just there for plot purposes there. They kind of there's a there's a tonal thing. There's a thematic thing. It works, works on a number of different levels, uh, which is all good. It's a it's a really well thought out concept and script. Uh, and everyone's worked very hard on this. And, um, you know, when one what's is a lot of art and creativity, um, you know, I always really appreciate it when I can see, uh, when I see that what I'm watching is the result of people, you know, being, especially on a show that, frankly, you know, they didn't need to because nobody liked it. The bosses didn't give a monkeys about it. Uh, you know, the producer, I'm, I'm not criticising John Nathan Turner here, but he, he, you know, he, he would have been happy with stories that, that didn't have quite, I think, the level of depth that, that they're being given by Andrew Cartmel and his bevy of writers who I think have ambition to, to try and do something different. And, and it doesn't always work. And as I say, as the target audience as a kid, that the, the oddball-y stuff and some of the tone of some of the stuff didn't work for me and I, I, I got quite cross. But again, I'm, I think I'm as much to blame for that as anything else. But but seeing as how the show could have been and where it could have gone and the directions that it was going in when Andrew Cartmel took over, I, I now think, you know, um, you know, I really appreciate the fact that they didn't just sort of 
rock up to work and go ah it's just you know have a laugh you know the, 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 they really worked hard and they had they had you know lofty ambitions they had serious intent which for an you know an unloved corner of the television landscape and as a viewer I go I really appreciate the fact that everyone you know is digging in and and, and doing as well as they can you know with circumstances and equipment and resources um, that make that a lot harder so and that's what makes for a great Doctor Who story is that everybody comes together and um, produces something that's greater than the sum of its parts could ever dream of being. Uh, but that also has cool hero moments and monsters um, and, uh, um, and, uh, and uh, aborted attempts at sexiness. It's got it all. Well done, Doctor Wu. Um, so uh, let's play the contest again. Uh, I was going to do a lead into next week, but actually I, I'm going to play the contest first with Mr. Andrew Cartmel, uh, who is going to tell us what his thoughts are on episode three, including his favourite thing. Will it be Alan's, the combination of Norse mythology and new technology, or the sort of rather nebulous Sorin speech, vampires, misty fang that's going on? Let's go and see Andrew in the future. Oh, episode three was a hard one. Episode three was a really hard one. I sort of cheated. I chose, I loved Captain Sorin's speech about six months ago. I went, I was, you know, uh, there was a, the, there was a mission in German occupied Romania and a man started talking about vampires. And I love yeah. all the stuff of the hemovores on the beach. And so I suppose it, it kind of, it kind of covers the vampire side of things, but I loved all of those visuals and the fact that he, alludes to something there's something isn't there about legend and the past that gives you you're telling a science fiction story but you're using the tropes of horror and horror is of course scarier than science fiction because something ancient and fusty somehow makes us more scared than something shiny and futuristic primal and mythic yeah that i mean that's briggs all over too he's, he's a very knowledgeable guy he's very scholarly and so he's drawing on deep uh deep sources deep roots yeah i'm trying to think what um i'm just trying to think what what alan chose oh he's not here it doesn't matter what he thought i only did it minutes ago um anyway um <laughs> what uh oh no i'll tell you what it was it's he likes the synthesis of the the brand new technology of the ultima machine and yep. the norse mythology and the idea that the story is telling of a sort of clash and a uh, of those two things and the way that those things interlock overlap and interpenetrate which again is the sheer genius of Ian Briggs. Well, there was me forgetting something that had happened literally minutes before. But there we go. Um, hopefully <laughs> this podcast will stay with you longer than anything manages to cling to my addled brain, uh, which uh, seems to be dropping things very, very quickly these days. Um, un, you know, unlike a barnacle on a hemovore's face, uh, nothing seems to nothing seems to stick in the hey don't noggin anymore. But um, I hope what sticks with you is a sense of enjoyment of this Doctor Who story and some insights from its script editor Andrew Cartmel. And there'll be more of this celebration of the gothic and the terrifying in the next instalment of Happy Times and Places, which sees. The chains of Fenric shatter for the very last time. Well, except for then the special edition and the special extended edition and the, well, you know, 
Olá. Thank you very much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock, and my special guest this time around is Alan Lear. I'm grateful to Alan and to the script editor of The Curse of Fenric, Andrew Cartmel, for giving his time as well. I'm also grateful, there's a lot of gratitude, oh, there's a lot of gratitude when you're a lone podcaster, to the patrons who make these possible. And they include Ruben Herfindel, Stephen Moffat, Peter Burns, James Curry-Smith, Peter Harness, Ronald Hayden, Rob Leonard, Christopher Meredith, Gavin McLean, Richard Straw, Neil Tate, Nick Tedston, David Trainier, Tim Arding, Nigel Bromley, Jenny at Blue Box 99, Paul Cook, Richard Chalk, Grant Davidson, John Deere, Chris Dunford-Kelk, Paul Dunn, Jason Gorman, Siobhan Galichon, Chris Hyam, Ian Key, Joe Llewellyn, Philip Marsh, Nathan Martin, Roland Moore, Kevin Murdoch, Graham Knott, Adam Parker, Barry Platt, Risto Matti Cirillo and Frank Shales. The music is by Dave Gates, the artwork Dylan Patterson. Please, Mum, can I get my name read out on Toby Haydock's Time Travels during the closing credits? Well, you can, son, but only if you become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock. It won't cost you much of your pocket money either. Three pounds a month is the entry tier and you get everything pretty much on that. Well, all of the content, you know, all the all the noise, basically, all the pictures, all the words and pictures are available from £3 a month. And you can get 10% off that or indeed any tier if you sign up for a year in one go. There are also advanced releases, bonus releases. You get all the podcasts well ahead. Uh, Happy Times of Places is about six months ahead so far. The other two, not so, because they're taking a bit longer, especially as I write my Quatermass book and do various other things. Sorry about that. I'm a lone wolf operating in the cyber jungle. Never mind what I'm doing. Yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm slow and I like to do a good job so I don't rush the happy times and places. No, I, I rush the happy times and places. I'm rushing it now. Um, I mean, the too much information. I'm rushing it so much. I'm not going to edit that bit out, even though I, I went up Segway Alley and there was a couple of visits to Beepville there as well. I don't know if they'll pick those up. Anyway, this is the post-credits bit. This isn't the money shot. Um, I, I think I started a sentence that I didn't finish a while ago. Anyway, the point, basically, I'm apologising for too much information and indefinable magic being a bit slow right now. Uh, I know they're uh, you know podcasts that people have enjoyed but I like to do them properly but you do get those sooner if you are a patron you still you get them you still get them really slowly but you don't get them as slowly as you get them if you're not a patron uh, and happy times and places which are these ones in all their unedited uh, seg- segwayed uh, one rundering around the houses the straight line is the most direct route but it is by far the least interesting um glory so anyway this i mean this is worth three quid a month in it this 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 bit now between closing credits and end sting um Patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock, if only to raise enough money to send me to Dignitas, which is where I think I should be off. Uh, but if you can't or don't want to do a monthly commitment, that's totally understandable. Uh, Kofi.com forward slash Toby Haydock is another way of supporting independent artists and hoping to keep their work advert free. Um, you just you know you just buy me a virtual coffee every now and again if you've particularly liked a podcast or think I sound in need of an invigorating shot of uh, cyberspace caffeine uh, but what costs you nothing and I totally get that times are tough and uh, you know podcasts are free at the point of contact and rightly so because uh, uh, well for, because it's the way that we do things now and it's the way that we reach an audience and I'm happy to do that I'm so grateful to anybody 
choosing these to listen to over and above all the other treats out there and the in, 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 in the internet. So thank you for listening. And if you want to do something that doesn't involve uh, the parting of uh, you, parting you with any of your hard-earned cash, which I think is fair enough, and especially as oh, electricity bills and pesto. I bought some pesto today. I remember when that was £1.65, £3.40. Um, anyway, let's not get it. I know it's a very middle class problem. What are you what are you measuring the poverty of for the 21st century post covid austerity grip by Toby? Pesto. Yeah, pesto. Oh, I'll check the hummus and the Guardian prices while I'm there as well, just to show what an objectionable git I am. Anyway, if that hasn't just put you off. Yeah, three pounds a month. That'll nearly keep me in pesto. <laughs> um, uh, look, what costs you nothing? Uh, which is, uh, as I say, you know, totally understandable in this day and age where some more important things than pesto. Look, I don't buy a lot of pesto. I was just buying pesto today. It just occurred to me. I I, I buy bread and things as well, but today I was buying pesto. Um, and what costs? Oh God Almighty! I'm gonna. I'm, I mean, I'm gonna die of starvation. That pesto will never even be opened if I carry on these sentences as long as this. Where was I? Right. I was uh, meandering off topic again. What costs you nothing is to give these a five-star review. I mean, they I, they deserve it for persistence, if nothing else. A five-star review uh, and a few lines of very positive feedback really help to enable these to stand out amongst the crowd. And uh, that means there'll be more listeners and more listeners justify the time I spend on this. And more listeners might lure some more patrons, but that's a, you know that doesn't really matter. It's just nice to uh, to have people listening to the results of the endeavours that put these together. So spread the word. I'm very, very grateful if you do. And I'm also very sorry about that stream of consciousness load of old nonsense that you were just subjected to <laughs> whilst I was also asking for... Give, give me money for that because it's really worth it. Uh, but anyway, look, there it is. Um, I was better getting hit by a spade in it. <laughs> And please do all the socials at Haydoak Podcasts is this podcast's Twitter feed. It's not called Twitter anymore, is it? It's an X Twitter. So yeah, go to go to oh, can I? I'm just going to call it Twitter. I mean, I'm still pretty much of the Opal Fruits persuasion. You know what I mean? And definitely Marathon. I'm not calling anything Snickers a plural sounding word for a singular uh, piece of confection. No, thanks very much. Especially one that not one that sounds like. Uh, a slang word for underpants. No, I'm, this is this is not a Snickers household, and I and I love a marathon. Um, so, um, what was I saying? Yes. Yeah, so uh, at Haydoke Podcasts, I'm on Twitter at Toby Haydoke. I'm also on Instagram at Toby I'm trying to build that. I've learned how to edit videos and all sorts of things. So um, and uh, put news there from uh, my comedy club, Excess Malarkey, which I'd love you to come and see in Manchester on a Tuesday night. And I've started doing monthly new material nights as well. So uh, so follow me there for all the comedy business. I know a lot of you aren't here for that. You're just here for the Doctor Who stuff. But I'm a comedian as well, you know. Oh, don't show and all that. But I am. So if you would like to uh, follow my comic endeavours, Excess Malarkey Comedy Club, uh, which I'm not going to name, name the venue because we seem to, after 26 years, you'd think I'd get some forward momentum, but we seem a bit, we're a bit nomadic as I record this, but it will always be called Excess Malarkey uh, and uh, I, I will keep going until I drop. Uh, and that's in Manchester every Tuesday and the last Sunday of every month. And yes, my socials, I have a Facebook 
uh, page, uh, not, my, not my personal one, simply because I've got too many, in inverted commas, friends on that. So I'm going to thin that out and just make that for personal stuff. But all my work stuff will be on the, I think it's a fan page, but I don't like using that phrase because it implies that I might have fans, which I, you know, as opposed to people who are just quite interested in what some of the stuff that I do every now and again so i have a page for that it's my comedian page rather than my sort of personal profile so if you if you could like that or follow that that would be nice that's all the socials and that's probably all the words that are necessary for this particular edition But wait, there's more, because there has to be, because there's always a post-credits bit. I don't know why it's a little tradition I started doing that's now got out of hand. It used to be just a couple of sentences. Now it's a novel. Uh, the commentary for Curse of Fenric actually on the DVD, it's one of the early ones, isn't it? Nicholas Parsons spent the whole thing just going, this doesn't make any sense, but the Doctor Who fans, they just sort of make it up. And Sophie and Sylvester sort of they're going, no, I think it's all it's all there for a reason. It's not just a random sequence of things that some it, somebody's just sort of thrown together in the hope that we're out there uh, sort of piecing it together. It, I, you know, it does make sense, but um, uh, it just goes to show, isn't it, that you don't have to be sort of really consumed by the text, as it were, in order to give a you know a br- brilliant and convincing performance that. Uh, you know gives the gives the whole stuff a you know a, a basis in reality you know he was just all like oh this is oh, this is all rather marvelous isn't it um but uh, but he's got the you know he's got the capabilities of of doing it and making it work but um it was because like, it was quite an early one it was one where i was kind of throwing things at the script just verbal flurry you know verbal barrages at the screen going no it makes perfect sense it's fine uh, and i suspect if i'd been the script editor i'd be going it, it makes all perfect sense. I wish I was on this commentary. Maybe that's why Andrew said a couple of episodes ago he'd have dropped the Parsons bit. Maybe, maybe it was for uh, a DVD commentary malfeasance. Ha ha ha. Well, I'm now we glad we get to, and our, you know, Parsons is great. Bless him. Lived to be a great age. And he very kindly invited me onto his show at the Edinburgh Fringe. He came to see my show called Now I Know My BBC, which is the one that nobody talks about because it doesn't mention Doctor Who, so loads of people who come see my Doctor Who show didn't bother to come and see it. I, and I had a real downer on that show for a while, actually. Um, but a few people have come out of the woodwork and said, no, no, it was, it was, it was really good. Um, uh, but I suppose because it was sandwiched between the two Doctor Who ones, which I remember being much easier, easier Edinburgh Fringes because uh, because I had a sort of guaranteed audience and... Uh, Whereas the the BBC one, it just seemed. I, mean, I don't know if it, I don't know if I quite got the show right, but uh, there are people who've seen all of my stuff who quite like that show. But um, I don't really remember that much about it any, anymore. But Parsons came to see it, and uh, and then had me on his show, which was very very nice. So I've I've had the pleasure of being in the orbit of Nicholas Parsons, uh, but uh, who's who's no longer with us and nor is the reverend wainwright because he gets killed at the end of episode three what a shocker eh uh great but uh, oh gosh I've, I've actually finished i've recorded all four episodes of this and i'm just remembering how much fun i had watching episode three and in fact how much fun i had watching episode three when it first went out when it seemed that everything was hitting the fan and you know doom and gloom and oh monsters from the sea and everyone getting killed and lots of mud and rain and all hell breaking loose what fun oh i do like doctor who 